Auroch Digital announced Mars Horizon to the world, and the response since has been marvellous. A Sony blog post, tweets from PlayStation EU and the UK Space Agency, not to mention publications made via notable sites ranked highly around the globe. It's been a tremendous announcement. But anyway, enough talk. We're hitting the Mars Horizon deep end in this episode, discussing the drama and challenges of both mission and meta gameplay. Here's Thomas explaining in detail the difference between the two, whilst we also dip into how Steve and Thomas fared during a previous playthrough. Let's reopen the airlock and enter the hub again for more Mars Horizon. Here's Thomas. So, in, in the process of making Mars Horizon, for, for our own real way of thinking about it, we, we've broken the game down into two main parts. Um, and, and when you're playing the game, you might not necessarily see how we've done this, but for, for our various reasons, this is how we think of it. There's what we call the mission control gameplay, and that's when you're actually on a mission. Now, you don't, you're not directly a, an astronaut, you're not a pilot, you're not doing it, but you're sat there in mission control and you're issuing commands and orders, responding to problems from a live mission. So that's the mission control gameplay. And of course, before those astronauts can be in space doing that mission, there's a whole load of stuff that's got to happen. And we refer to that as the meta or as the management gameplay. And that's everything to do with how they get there in the first place up to the point of them being on that mission. So that's designing rockets, that's planning which missions you're going to do, that's budgeting the money to build the, the craft you need, that's dealing with the politics of your agency, your government, other governments, that's um, your, your kind of HQ base and all the various buildings in that. So all those things come together into the meta gameplay and they basically help shape the missions that you're going to do. So in your agency, you decide, right, we're going to do a mission to launch satellite into space. You've, you've accepted that mission. You're then planning it. You build, well, which rocket's going to do it? Which one can handle the payload? You design a new rocket or one of your existing designs. You get that up there. Then we're at the point where we're now deploying our satellite in space. Now we're in mission control. You're now, if you like, the, the kind of idea is that in the player's mind, they're sat at that desk in you know, Houston Control or wherever it happens to be, and they are then deciding on what happens there. So they're issuing commands to the computer, okay, deploy the solar arrays, you know, deploy antenna, begin gathering data, atmospheric data, or whatever the mission is. What if something goes wrong at that point? Something doesn't deploy properly, it's broken. It's down to you in Mission Control to figure out, okay, how do I solve this? You know, maybe you're trying radical actions like rebooting systems, but that has a risk with it. Maybe you're shutting power to one system and redeploying it to another. Those get more complicated and more interesting and more strategic when you've got astronauts involved because then they've, you've also got to manage their oxygen, their life support, but they can do more things. They can, manage, they can maintain systems. They can fix systems that break. They can be a bit more inventive in, in how you use them to solve problems. So we see it that on the mission gameplay, and obviously in films like Apollo 13 and that, they, they have that, it's kind of very writ large when everything goes wrong. Um, in the meta gameplay, so in the management layer, you can build systems that are more reliable, less likely to go wrong, and give you more redundancy for when you're in space. They cost more and they have other drawbacks to it, um, but that's your decision there. But once you're in space, stuff can go wrong, and it does, because it's space, it's a hostile environment. 
Um, there's, there's all sorts of things that can go wrong for all sorts of reasons. There's a myriad of, of systems. Everything has to work perfectly interlocked all the time. And of course it doesn't because life isn't like that. And in a way that gives us the kind of interest and drama when things go wrong. You know, with the worst case being a catastrophic mission failure where you lose astronauts, you know, you get a negative reaction from the public who are ultimately funding your agency through their taxes and you have to manage that. But missions can also go better than well. So you can have all the things you plan to do, but it all goes so well and your systems are so good and your management's so good that actually you, you over-deliver. You get to perform more science, you get to perform more experiments, you get more data than you plan to get and you come back in triumph because things have gone brilliantly. Uh, and, and that's really, the, the mission gameplay is really focused around that and that's something that you know we plan to take a look at in this podcast. So, it seems fitting to touch base with a recent mission where Steve directed Thomas from Mission Control. Let's check in on what I'm sure was a magnificent display of skill. Okay, cool, cool. So you've got problems on your comms module. Issues here and issues on life support. You're losing double oxygen. Okay. And so you're one action down because of the comms error. Right, you actually only got two actions instead. Yeah, let's move that and fix that, otherwise I'm going to just drift off into space. Yeah. Uh, So when we were developing the mission gameplay, the first thing we did was basically using pens, paper and dice, we basically role-played out how this would work. We built prototypes that we then sat there, myself and Steve, and just played these things out. Was it fun to do? Did we get drama? Was it, was it interesting gameplay? Were we as the players able to make those interesting strategic decisions about the systems that are functioning during a mission and the astronauts and how we deployed them in a way that not only feels authentic to the game, to a space mission, but also is enjoyable to do and feels like a, a fun challenge. And, and we feel we've got that balance right, but that's taken time and you know backwarding and forwarding for us to do it. After we made uh, a physical prototype, we then worked with, with Dan and with other people to actually turn that into an actual digital one. So a lot more work goes into this, a lot more hours of development, but having previously prototyped it out, we're, we're pretty confident at this point that the gameplay's solid. Uh, and now we're in a system where we can kind of show you how that plays out well. You can hear how that plays out in the video game version. You're down to 12 oxygen now. Okay. Out of, out of your maximum 20, so yeah. Uh-oh. You do have your three actions back now. Okay, well that's something. Right. Yeah. Space is a hostile environment. Challenges and risks are present everywhere. With so many moving parts, the smallest of alterations or miscalculations can create ripple effects that could have devastating ramifications. Although not a life and death situation, but challenge and ripple effects exist throughout all of Mars Horizons development cycle too, and every department will encounter its set of hurdles. I spoke with Alex, our UI designer. She told me about her design approach and about the architecture and placement of UI during mission control gameplay and just how important it is. So the importance of the UI within mission gameplay is it's pretty much just UI. <laughs> so um, it's the entirety of that screen pretty much. I mean, there's there's nice graphics to watch, but it's not the fundamental gameplay part. The actual gameplay element is balancing what's happening when you're in the mission, uh, if things are going wrong or if things need to be balanced. So yeah, it's a constant balancing act. So the whole thing is pretty much uh, menus, and equally that has been challenging for me to get everything looking balanced on the screen as well as taking the user easily through what they need to do which you know while adding kind of 
a sense of tension when things are going wrong, which is quite difficult <laughs> when you're supposed to have something that's really um, easy to use and yet cause some sort of like light dismay <laughs> uh, in the user. So yeah, that's been, it's pretty important for that particular screen, but it's important through the whole game, really. Has your approach differed in this respect? I guess my approach has differed in this particular instance in that it's very much um, UI heavy and it's um, kind of strategic. It's almost puzzle based in the way that you have to problem solve. Um, mostly I go about kind of the same way, especially when creating stuff. But with this, it's certainly been a bit more of a kind of um, real heads down, sometimes talking about it for five, six hours before I actually design anything which isn't usually, usually I'm giving a kind of concept and then I muddle my way through with time to uh, do stuff later, but there isn't time to do stuff later, so <laughs> we have to crunch down first for nearly a day and then, so I've not really worked like that before, um, but it's because there are so many systems in place that really need to be done properly, so that's probably how it differs. How passive is the UI in Mars Horizon? Yeah, I guess with UI, how... How passive or intrusive it is depends on the game, but this is a very UI-heavy game um, and you need constant feedback, you know, instantaneously with all the missions and everything you're doing, so I can afford to have quite intrusive UI. Um, it really depends on the game. If you've got a 3D game, you might want it to be less intrusive and not in your face. As we've moved through gaming, uh, health bars are sort of a thing of the past. They've disappeared, but the strategy games tend to have everything out on on the front and in the foreground so I can get away with having quite intrusive UI. Tell us about the UI architecture and placement. So the placement of the main mission UI unfortunately was down to size and the fact we're doing it for consoles as well as uh, PC means that I had to make all the font big enough to read from your couch which unfortunately gives me about 20% less space so while there's method behind the apparent madness, unfortunately sometimes it just comes down to whether you've got space or not. Um, everything that's information-wise, everything that's going to constantly be in your view is stuck on the left, um, So because we, uh, well, we in the UK read from left to right. Um, and then the end of your turn is always shoved at the bottom right, because that should be the last place that you're looking. It's also where... Um, things come up you know the notifications come up of what's happened is on the right so stuff that you're doing in setup is on your left stuff that should be affecting what you've done um, and has been affected by what you've set up is on the right and that's kind of the method so your eyes should flow from from the top where all your stats are down to your um, your orders as it were for your various astronauts and then flows down to the right uh, where you end your turn and see what happened Alex and the entire Mars Horizon team have done a brilliant job of creating something thematic and satisfying. All this hard work hopefully allows for a gameplay experience that is engaging, thought-provoking and fun. Mars Horizon designer Steve talks here about the meta, playing through the management side of the game. Um, so I've started a new game from scratch. Uh, I've chosen USA for my agency. Um, and basically I'm going to, for the first turn, I'm basically going to be going through and picking all the stuff that I need to get started in the game. So um, I've got a choice between 
do I want to go for Earth Orbit missions at the start, or am I going to start a little bit slower and build up my base and you know get some more research facilities on the go? Which I think I'm just going to go straight for missions, see if I can rush out the the first satellite, see if I can be the first one to put a, an artificial satellite in space, get the uh, sort of the prestige and the bonus from uh, from completing that before anyone else. How widespread is meta gameplay? Meta gameplay is everything that's not the actual missions themselves. It's all the research you do, the building your base, hiring crew, uh, worrying about diplomacy, dealing with other agencies, and choosing which missions you're actually going to go on. And there's there's usually a, a decent sort of spread of, well, especially later game, there's quite a lot of different things you can do. So choosing your priorities, uh, choosing to go to certain planets over others, or do like request missions and sort of commercial missions over actual you know, firsts and milestones. Those are those are the decisions you're making in the in the meta gameplay. What research will you conduct first? So my first research is going to be uh, Earth orbit missions. That's what that's going to allow me to do. It's going to get get a couple of new rocket parts, which is going to let me do my my first actual orbital rocket, which will give me the milestone first orbit. Um, the reason I want to do that first is every time an agency completes a milestone before any other agency, they get a particularly large bump of public support. They, the the sort of prestige of, of having done that first, which not only improves their, uh, their standing uh, with the public and the rest of the world, but it can also improve the amount of funding they'll get from their, their government. So it's quite an important way to, to kind of boost your economy. What that means by choosing that first is that I'm going to be neglecting my sort of research on my base. I'm probably going to end up building a little bit slower than my rivals, but that's, that's okay for the moment because I'll, I'll be the first person to put a satellite in space. Where will Mars Horizons sit with audiences? I like to think it's going gonna, it's gonna to kind of hit, hit both audiences. It's, with, the, with the metagame stuff, the research and everything, it's all based on real-life missions. Um, we try to keep the sort of naming and the specifics of it a little bit sort of less science terminology-ish. Like we've, we've included things like different fuel types for rockets and you know, upper stages, lower stages, different orbits and all that kind of stuff, but uh, we haven't mentioned Delta V. You're not, you're not going to have to do any kind of rocket calculations, anything like that. Um, you don't need to know launch windows off by heart or be able to do the maths yourself. It's more about choosing the priorities of which direction you're going to take your agency rather than knowing what's done in the past and what sort of rockets are capable of. I've got an event that's just popped up. My scientists are on the verge of a breakthrough. So basically I've got a choice now. Uh, I'm going to get a nice little science bonus, which is quite nice, but I can also spend a lump sum, actually quite quite a lot of my money, uh, on an even more, uh, a chance of even more money. So, uh, even more science. Um, I'm going to do that. And, oh, it's come through. So, yeah, sweet. That's actually managed to complete one of my researches all on its own, which is quite nice. Um, click through another couple of turns, and I should be ready to launch my Earth satellite mission. How are resources balanced in meta gameplay? Well, um, the meta game is it's, it's, it's entirely a resource management thing. You know, you're you're balancing your public support from doing milestones, your science uh, that you're getting per turn, which is balanced by uh, the buildings you've got and the missions you're doing and also the cash. Uh, so c- your public support will affect your cash income, um, but that can also be boosted by doing commercial missions. Um, cash is used for 
uh, building rockets outside of mission budgets. Um, sometimes you're going to have to just build rockets just so you've got stuff in the background, and that's going to cost you cash as well. How's your animal research looking? So, um, yeah, my animal research has completed. Uh, I've unlocked a couple of new rocket parts, parts which I've used to build a vehicle. Um, I think that's now that's now capable of lifting my animal satellite. So, a couple of months to build. Right. Um, so, I've got everything ticking over quite nicely. I've built a couple of new buildings, and in two months... Ah, uh, Russia's just launched their first satellite. That's fine, I got there first. <laughs> they can have it, because I'm about to launch a dog or something. Um, <laughs> uh, and yeah, we're good to go. So, yeah, let's launch. T-minus 10, 9, 8, 7... And we have main engine start. Five, four, three, two, one, zero, and liftoff. Liftoff of the space shuttle, and the shuttle has cleared the tower. Now it is time to take longer strides. Time to take a clearly leading role in space achievement, which in many ways may hold the key to our future on Earth. This has been an Auroch Digital Podcast. Thanks so much for listening to episode two of our Mars Horizon series. With thanks to Thomas Rawlings, Steve Martin, Dan Brody, Alex Briscombe and Laura Pirelli. Thanks too to NASA for their JFK and Countdown Audio and the UK Space Agency for their continual support of the project. Special shout out to Ian for his comments and insightful input via iTunes. We'd love to hear your thoughts too. Let us know of your favourite topics during each episode or indeed just hit us up with some space chat and banter, please do leave a comment on our iTunes page. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to touch base with us, look us up on Facebook and Twitter. We'd love for you to join the chat. You can also subscribe to our newsletter. This will detail everything that's currently going on with Oroch Digital, or indeed check out our recently upgraded mother site, orochdigital.com. Mars Horizon itself can be wishlisted on Steam and is set for a Q4 release later this year. Indie game development is forever the moving target. We're planning to run a Mars Horizon Kickstarter campaign soon. We'll confirm dates, times and everything you'll need to know as soon as they land. <laughs>